Well, good morning, church. So, as I was trying to think of how to open the sermon, I was like, maybe a riddle. So I tried to come up with my own riddle. It wasn't very good, but I tried it anyway. And I thought, so it sort of rolls like this, like, what is good, but it's better when it is dispersed? What is, what is good, like, in, in one place, but to, to take it out and distribute it is even better? Now, I thought about that as being a great riddle, but then I thought, there's probably 101 answers to that. So I'm just going to throw the riddle out and just say, let's just talk about peanut butter, Okay. Because why peanut butter? Because I love peanut butter. As a kid, I was often uh, joked by my siblings that that was Rex's go-to snack. I mean, I had peanut butter and you'd lay down and on the couch watching TV, stacks of crackers and peanut butter and peanut butter sandwiches, peanut butter, whatever. It was like the peanut butter thing, right? And, and so it was like, yeah, peanut butter. But, but here's the thing. I, I, I like peanut butter, okay? Especially when it's in a jar. But you know when it's better? When it's out of the jar. And it's distributed, it's this place to put on certain things, whether it's breads, toast, you know, again, like, if you want to get healthy, celery, I don't know why you'd do that. You're just like, I'm trying to eat something healthy. I'm just going to cover with peanut butter. Okay, sure. That makes it somewhat healthier, maybe, I don't know. But that was my first thought. Now, why that? Because we're in the book of Acts chapter 10, and I see the church, like our church right here, we're like one big peanut butter jar, okay? And it's fun to be together. This is good, isn't it? Isn't it good to be together and to worship and <clears throat> see each other and all that? But you know what's better? It's when we leave the church and we get distributed and we get dispersed and we spread out what we've learned here. That's when it's, that's when it's better. That's sort of Acts chapter 10. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so if you would, grab your Bibles. <clears throat> Excuse me. Turn. We have Bibles in the back. If you need a Bible, get one because I'm not putting all the scripture on the screen today. Okay, so if you need a Bible, you need to raise your hand and somebody will bring one to you. Lupe, stand back to you. He might bring you one. So Acts chapter 10. We have learned about the apostles, their ministry to the Jewish people. Uh, we've seen the beginning of the, the spread. There it is. There's the spread of the good news into other cities and regions. And in Acts 10, Peter, who's an apostle of Jesus Christ, he's one of the church leaders. He's incredibly so close to Jesus. I mean, you think about this. Out of all the disciples, he could have been one of the closest uh, to Jesus. He's compelled by God to take the good news and spread it to everyone. The whosoevers, as we said last week. In Acts 10, we read of Cornelius. He was a God-fearing, devout believer of God, but he was a Roman commander. He was a Gentile. Jews don't associate with Gentiles. Jews don't eat with Gentiles. Jews don't go into the house of a Gentile. And even though he was a legitimate believer, maybe a devout follower of God, does that give excuse for Peter doing it? According to the Jews, no. But Peter receives this vision. He sees this, this sheet come down with kosher and non-kosher food. Food that a Jew could eat, food that a Jew should not even touch or even look at, right? And so as, as this sheet comes down, God basically reveals to him and says, I'll tell you what's clean and unclean, right? Because Peter's like, you just told me to get up, kill, and eat. I'm not going to eat that. Which we said, that's not a good thing telling God no, right? And so... God's like, no, I'll tell you what you can and cannot eat. In other words, this isn't about food, Peter. This is about people. This is about who you can and cannot talk to. This is who you are deeming as, judging as, I shouldn't go talk to them because they're different, but yet I'm telling you who you can and cannot talk to. 
who's worthy to receive the good news of salvation. So Peter travels to Caesarea to not only meet Cornelius, but to go into his house. Big no-no for the Jews, right? But then it makes me wonder. First of all, God told him to. Second of all, do you think Peter reminisced back to those times when he was with Jesus? And Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to go eat with the tax collectors and the sinners. And he, the religious leaders thought that was the worst thing that Jesus could ever do, right? So Peter saw this displayed in front of him. So I'm wondering if Peter's thinking, I, I should be doing this too. I mean, God told me, but I remember Jesus did that, right? So what we know is this. Cornelius needs to know God better. Who's going to tell him, right? That's where Peter comes in. So last week, there were two main points from Scripture. I put them up on there. One, God pursues a relationship with us. He loves us. The, the whosoevers, the everyones. It doesn't matter who you are this morning, where your background is from. God loves you. He's pursuing a relationship with you. Second is this. God will use you and I to share the good news with everyone. He doesn't pick just pastors or people with Bible backgrounds. He picks the body of believers to share the good news. That's all of us. He sends an angel to Cornelius to say, hey, I want you to go get Peter, and Peter's going to come tell you about Jesus. Why didn't the angel just tell him himself? Because God wants us, mankind, to be the vessels of the good news. Look at verse 34, chapter 10. Actually, before I get there, um, you know, would this be a good moment? for me to grab a drink and step down. And uh, Lupe. Said, uh, he asked me, the first question was, hey, uh, do you, uh, can you speak Spanish? I was like, really, Tyler? And, uh, <laughs> I go, I am Lupe Cantu. I'm Google Translate, you know. But it, seriously, though, you know, he did ask me that, and I was like, why is that? He goes, you know, he asked me a question. He goes, when your parents, when you were younger, when you, you know, when you guys went out, to the restaurants, to the stores, whatever. Did your parents, did you guys feel uncomfortable because you guys, your dad was a migrant worker? I said, absolutely. You know, and we were just kind of different. You know, we were treated different, right? So he goes, well, I need you to do me a favor, and I need you to translate. And I was like, okay. He goes, um, do you ever see that white bus that's at Walmart with a lot of migrant workers? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, I invited 50 of those guys into my house. I was like, I'm going, to teach, I'm going to teach the word of God to them. I want to let them know that we care for what they stand for. Okay? I know most of us here wouldn't do that. <clears throat> so he said, hey, you know, I live in Swanton. They're all over town. They're all fixing up downtown Swanton, planting flowers, fixing up things, which I forgot to mention, at no cost at their time. They, they actually did all the flowers at, the, at their Swine High School. They fixed it all up, the groundskeeping, all that nine yards, okay? So when Tyler shared that to his group that he was ministering to at his house, and they said, are you serious? You're letting those guys in? You're letting those rapers in? You're letting those guys that are going to steal from you? They're going to let those guys in? He was like, hey, wait a minute. We're supposed to do that, aren't we? We're Christians. So yesterday, it was the day. I was a little nervous, right? So the bus comes up. I was like, oh, cool. You know, these are my, these are my boys, right? These, there's my hometown, my parents' hometown. And I was like, man, I feel good. And I saw them walking in up to the garage, and you can tell they were very scared, very nervous. And Tyler was like, you know, and he was a big smile. And he was, Lupe, Lupe, I'm right here, buddy. So I greeted them. And right away, as soon as I greeted them with their language, their, like, their armor went down. They were like, wow, this is awesome. So they cooked over 50 steaks, 
over 50 baked potatoes, which I didn't get to eat any of it. But, um, so they shared, they shared the word of God. And Tyler went off with saying, that, you, know, how, you know, his past. And, you know, he goes, hey, I want to let you guys know that I, we love you. You know, and we're doing this for you just to let you know we appreciate what you guys do. You know, I know they don't get a lot of appreciations at all whatsoever. And I translated the whole, it was awesome because I translated, there were some words that, it's some Spanish words that I had, and I had to dig in. I was like, Lord, let me, you know, let me understand these too. Because there were some words that I couldn't really say it in Spanish, but they did come out. Again, that was God working through me. And I was amazed. I was like, man, I can be a professor in Spanish too. So, <laughs> but. You know, so the whole service, or I'm sorry, the prayer, you know, we talked about everything, and they, they enjoyed it. And I had to leave early, so I had another benefit to go to, so that's why I didn't get to eat my steak and my baked potato. But at the end of the, when I got home, at the end of their stuff, Tyler texted me. He's like, hey, brother, thank you so much. What we did is we shared, and if one of those guys gets saved, you earn your crown in heaven. So that was my testimonial yesterday, and... Rex is talking about this this morning. Thank you, Lupe. Appreciate that. You too, thank you. Thank you. So Lupe shared that first service, and I was like, uh, Lupe, that's the Cornelius Peter story right there, isn't it? I mean, it's, here's a guy by the name of Tyler who's like, uh, I don't speak Spanish. I've never had these people in my place at all. Uh, they sort of got this rap of, oh, they're the immigrants or, or migrants, I'm sorry. And it's like, let's, uh, let's just, I don't know. And he's like, God told me to reach out to him. Lupe, can you help translate? I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know if Tyler got a vision of a sheet coming down, but the point is, that's, that's what we're talking about. Modern day version right there. So when he got done sharing, that's like, uh, can you share that in second service too? But wait until the service, because let's read the scripture, get everybody up on the same page, and then share that. So now in your Bibles, open up to uh, uh, chapter 10, verse 34. And this is where then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. I bet that was being expressed yesterday, wasn't it? In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I love how Peter starts right off the bat, clearly sharing, listen, we serve a triune God. We believe in the Trinity here. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's what we preach here. That's what we teach here. And right away, first thing, Peter puts them all into one sentence. You know, throughout Scripture, you'll see this. But he puts in one sentence, he says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. It's like, it's all right there, right? And then he shares that the good news is this, is that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Just let that sit for a while. Because see, everybody wants peace. All of us deal with stress and pressure, fear, anxiety of some sort. We all have it. Some of you probably walked in this morning. You already got 20 things going on in your head right now. You can't even get focused on the word. You can't focus on singing. You're like, I just, there's so much, there's so much, there's so much going on. I just need, I need some peace, right? We, we all need peace, don't we? And then here's the thing. You can't have peace with anything until you have peace with God. Once we find peace with God, then we can learn how to have peace with others and peace 
through life. You're still going to have moments of anxiety, still moments of fear. But now the God of peace who transcends all understanding guards our heart. And he's with us in those moments. We're not alone. And the good news is that peace is found in Jesus Christ is what Peter says, right? Look at verse 38. He said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good, healing all who were pressed by the devil, for God was with him. And I found it interesting. I know there, there's probably, there might have been a longer message in there to Cornelius. Not a lot. I mean, but in the three times we heard it, actually then the fourth, you really didn't get into a lot of detail about the message except this. It's like, I, like if it was Peter, Peter's like, I spent three years with Jesus. It was amazing, his teachings, his, his healing. And what does he say? He says, well, he went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. In other words, he's good, he's the healer, God's with him. It was like, you're summing this up real, real short about Jesus, right? But he's like, I don't know what else to tell you about him. I mean, he's just so good. He's a healer. The enemy comes in and tries to steal away our joy and, like, and oppress us, but Jesus is bigger. Oh, and by the way, here's a very important point. Look at verse 39. It says this, We apostles are all witnesses of what he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised Jesus to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us, whom God has chosen in advance to be his witness. We ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Look at verse 42. And he ordered us to preach everywhere, including Caesarea, everywhere, to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all the living and the dead. This, in other words, this is good news. Everybody needs to hear the good news. We, we need to go out. Everybody's searching for peace. We've got the peace of God. We've got the grace of God. We've got the love of God. And there's a world that needs to hear it right now. And here's the thing. The only way they're going to get it is through this good, healing, all-powerful Jesus Christ. Now, this is important because the Jewish people could have simply said this. We're Jewish. That's all we need. Our race, our background gets us into heaven. We don't, we don't need all these other things. We don't, we don't need this Jesus. We just need to be good. We just need to be who we are. We're Jews. Or just toss out any other race you want to put out there. But here's the thing. Those things can't save us. Not, not so whatsoever. We're saved only through Jesus. Do me a favor. Sometime uh, today, have a conversation with, with everybody at your home. Please, do a double check at home. And then go to anybody else you want to go to and talk to them about this. You look them in the eye and say, how do you get to heaven? How do you know you're going to heaven? Listen to their answer. Is it going to be, well, I hope that I've done enough good things. Well, my grandma and grandpa were Christians. Well, I, I go to church. What, 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 what's your answer going to be? You know, the amazing thing is we do a lot of baptisms. And every baptism, there's all, it never fails. There'll be at least one person. Even though I've talked to every single person, like, do you believe uh, in Jesus Christ? Have you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ? Yes, I believe that. Yeah. Okay, and do you believe this? And do you believe this? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, okay. Because, I mean, that's what gets you into heaven, your, your, your faith, your belief in Jesus. That's what gets you into heaven. It's confessing of your mouth and believing in your heart, right? It, it's, it's not good works. And then they'll, they'll stand up here at the microphone and say, why do you want to get baptized? I want to go to heaven, so I'm getting baptized. And it's like, 
we just talked about this. That won't get you into heaven. But for some reason in our mind, sometimes we think that's what it is. And so it's so important that we always come back to this and say, do you know if you're going to heaven, yes or no? Two, if yes, how? How do you know? That's why, you know, I'll, I'll preach it till I'm blue in the face every week if I have to. Because I want us to know that it's not about what we do. It's who we believe in. Look at verse 43. 43 says this, And everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. It's by faith that we're saved. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of your works. Otherwise, we'd boast about it, right? Peter shares this with Cornelius and his family. He's like, listen, you need to believe in Jesus Christ. You need to put your faith in him. And the belief, here's the incredible thing that happened. Then the Spirit of God arrived on the spot. They're like, yeah, we want to confess that. As soon as that happened, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Look at verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Peter asked, can anyone object to being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He's like, they've placed their faith in Jesus. You know what the next thing we need to do after we get our, our lives right with God? After, the, after we confess with our mouth and believe in our, in our hearts that Jesus Christ the Lord? The next thing we do is get baptized. Why get baptized? Because now that is telling everybody else out here, I'm saved. I've placed my faith in Jesus. This is my outward showing of my inward belief. That's why I'm getting baptized. Jesus did it. I'm doing it. We've been commanded to do it. Let's get it done. And Peter's like, we're doing it, right? Let's go for it. Now we get to chapter 11. He's fired up. I mean, this is just an incredible thing that happened, right? So we get to chapter 11, and verse 1 says this. Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea and Gentiles had received the word of God. Word spreads quick. Rumors do that, right? Stories fly. And the word came back to everybody in Jerusalem. They're like, hey, did you hear what happened in Caesarea? Did you hear what happened with Peter? Look at verse 2. Because we're thinking this is going to be awesome, right? But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and you ate with them. Now, can you imagine, like, Tyler's pastor that Lupe was talking about? Could you imagine Tyler's pastor calling him up today and saying, I heard you had 50 migrants at your house. What were you thinking? We'd be like, that pastor needs a little, right? Something, I don't know what. But it's like, why, would he, why, would, why is the church always so critical? You know, we try to do things, maybe it's like, we feel like God's calling us to do something. It's like, I think this is what we're supposed to do. And then somebody in the church is like, no, no, no. You shouldn't do it that way, right? And they get all angry, and it's like, this is what's happening. And it's thinking like, even then? Yes, even then, they dealt with racism. They dealt with issues of looking at people and judging them, critical of who they were and their background. And it's like, it's a shame, isn't it? Look what happens in verse 4. Peter told them exactly what happened. He goes, listen, I was in the town of Joppa. Let's just Go back to where this all started. And while I was praying, I had this trance and this vision. He goes on to tell the story. You guys remember the story? We heard it three times last week in chapter 10. And here it comes again, only with a little bit of additional information. Look at verse 12. Here's a little bit of additional information. Verse 12 says, the Holy Spirit told me to go with them. Peter's like, he's telling them the story. He goes, oh, by the way, it was the Holy Spirit that told me to go with these Gentiles. Okay? You, you, you all want to argue with the Holy Spirit? You go for it. 
I'll just step back and you just fight it out with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, he told me to go, so I went. And then he goes on to say this. He goes, these six brothers here accompany me. And we soon enter the name of the man who had sent for us. So again, third time in the story. Here's the thing. Anything in the Bible that you read once is there for purpose. It has value. Anything in the Bible. Read once, it has value. If it's in there twice, mm, pay attention. Three times, this is really important. Stay on it. Figure out what, what is God telling us here, right? So obviously this is very important. But here's, here's what he goes. He goes on to say this. He goes, um, the Holy Spirit told me to, to not worry about their race. The Holy Spirit told me, don't worry about their background. Go into their house. So I took six people with me. Now I understand in a, in a court of law, we need a witness. Two, preferably. Maybe three during biblical times to make things legit. What does Peter do? He takes six. He's like, I'm not going to double or triple the number that I really need, but I want to let you know I'm surrounded here with witnesses. And they all testify to what took place. After that moment, the church sort of settled down. Look what happened in verse 18. When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and they began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life, which is great news. The church is like, oh, Man, we've messed up here. It's like we were complaining and arguing, but this is really a good thing, isn't it? Yes. God has opened the doors to not just the Jews, but to the Gentiles, to everyone. The gospel's for everyone. Two quick things I want to point out here. First, praise God that he takes people as they are. None of us in this room have to get it right with God before we go to God. You know what? I've got all these things in my life. I better get straight with God. I, I, I can't get right with God. I can't find peace with God until... No, stop, stop, stop. He takes you right where you are right now with whatever's going on in your life. And here's the second thing about this, this portion of the story that we're reading here is that Peter never flaunted his position. Think about that. He's in front of the church and they're criticizing him. He could have said, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm Peter. I walked on water. For a couple of seconds. I walked with Jesus all the time. I was one of the disciples. I was one of the, I am one of the apostles. I'm a church leader. I'm your church leader. Get in line and listen to what I'm saying. He could have done that. He had every right to. But he humbly looked around and said, hey, listen, church. Here's what happened. These guys will testify to what I said. And he just humbly approached that whole situation saying, listen, I'm just trying to listen to God and be obedient, and I hope you all do too. The question is, like, obedience to what? And he's like, we almost have to remember, what was, what, what was Peter doing in the first place? He was fulfilling what God told him. We go to Scripture, Mark chapter 16, it says, and then he told them, go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone, and anyone who believes is, and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Matthew 20, 19, therefore, go and make disciples of all na nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see we've got this, this thing here where God says, I want you to go out and I want you to share the truth with them. I want them to know that they need to place their faith in me, that they confess their mouth and, and place their faith in me. Oh, by the way, after they, after they have their faith all right and they're like, yes, we, we've confessed, we're good with God. Okay, they need to let the world know. Get baptized. Get baptized. Because you're going to be doing what Christ did, right? Disciples did as Jesus commanded, 
and they went out and they told everybody. And that's, the, that's like the, the great thing, right? So we've got up to chapter 10 all the way into chapter 11. And we've got this, this thing, of this long section of God's trying to get a point across to all of us. And that is the good news is for everyone. But sometimes it's like, okay, yeah, it is. But I'm just going to stay in my little peanut butter jar here, and I like worshiping, but I don't want to spread myself out with telling everybody about Jesus, right? Look at verse 19. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered, distributed during the persecution after Stephen's death, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. Do you realize that we have missionaries today because of this moment right here? These were the first missionaries recorded in Scripture, right? I know we can probably go back uh, and think about when Philip went out, but he was one of the uh, apostles going out and talking to the eunuch, right? But they didn't have a mission agency. They didn't go out and raise their support. A lot of the missions that come in here, they get up front and they say, I'm a part of this mission organization, this agency. I raise this much funds. Thank you, church, for supporting the mission that, that I'm out there. I've got uh, an office with a globe and, or I've got a, a map on the wall. Here's my, here's my mission target. Here's the people I'm with. I mean, that, that's missions. That's missionaries, right? These are the first missionaries. You know what they had? None of that. What they had was a whip on their back, chains at their feet, and persecutors chasing them down. Missionary started because people were chasing after Christians to kill them. They ran. They ran for their life. And on the way, it's like, let me tell you about Jesus, right? They're just like, they're telling everybody about Jesus. Wherever they went, I'll tell you about Jesus, right? That was the missionary life. As a matter of fact, you know what? They had a really nice church in Jerusalem. I'm sure that each and every one of these church members were probably sitting there going, I like my church. You like your church? Man, we all like, we like to talk about our church, right? You know, we sing together. It's so good when we sing together. We've had, you know, you can just imagine like some of these first Christians at, in, this, in their church in Jerusalem. They're like, our prayer meetings rock the house. I mean, wind shoots through the building when we pray. I mean, the Holy Spirit is there. I mean, we distribute things to those in need. We're always sharing. You got a need? I'll share it with you, Right? Every day, numbers are adding. Our church is growing. Nuts. We love our church. And then all of a sudden, boom, the church has a problem. It gets shut down. Something happens. Persecution. Boom, they're gone. And that, that's what happened here. It didn't matter how well, solid teaching and great prayer meetings. It didn't matter what they have. This massive church scattered. Had it not been for persecution, guess what? All those Gentiles would have never heard the good news. Do you ever think about sometimes... This is sort of how our church started, actually. I mean, when we first started the church, some of the first members of our church were people who came from churches that maybe had some problems going on, or they were unchurched. I mean, this church is a young church, and we were like the island of misfit toys. It's like people from all these different places, like, this is who we are. We just, listen, all we want to do is worship God with everything we have on Sunday. And the rest of the week, we just want to be the church. That was our mantra. That's what we believe. But here's the thing. Had this church not had a problem or persecution, they would all stay right there. Sometimes God has to shake the house to make people get out and do what they're supposed to do, right? They tried to worship together, but persecution caused them to scatter. I tried going back to the church that I grew up in. Every time I stepped in a sanctuary, I got a headache. Every time. Finally, it was like I felt like God was saying, I told you to leave once. I told you to leave twice. So finally... 
was like, I guess I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be somewhere else. This is where I am now. I, I didn't understand it because I loved my church. But sometimes God wants me to be somewhere else. The persecution still happens today. I was reading in Mexico, Javier Villafano, he's a persecuted Christian in Mexico. He was shot and killed in the city of uh, Michoacan, which is in that area right now. Um, he's the ninth church leader to be murdered in the last four years. Mexico has had this increase in persecution against Christian leaders in the recent years. Uh, one day prior to his death, another gentleman by the name of Faustin Jimenez, um, another church leader, um, barely escaped an attack on his life. See, in the areas of Mexico, if as a pastor or church leader or Christians talk about cartels and gangs, you now have a new target on your back. You will be beaten. You will be persecuted. In Egypt, two Christian women in Egypt have been reported missing. This is current. Uh, from an area of Cairo known for persecution incidents. Both women disappeared while traveling to and from church. Uh, neither family has received any kind of help from the police in locating them. Again, because a lot of the authorities there look at Christians differently. In 2017, two Orthodox priests were, were brutally beaten. One died, one survived. Two years later, another man was killed in that same neighborhood. That neighborhood is known for killing Christians. That's in Egypt. All over the world. Just, you, know, you can go to the Voice of Martyrs, click on that website, click on the map, and you get stories like this all day long. Christians are still being persecuted today. This is nothing new. We just don't hear about it. Well, these persecuted Christians, did you see where they landed? They landed in Antioch. Antioch was one of the three largest cities in the Roman Empire. You had Rome, which is obviously the biggest. Uh, then you had Alexandria in Egypt. And then the third one was this city right here, Antioch. It was massive with trade and commercial and political things going on. Um, there was all kinds of people from all different places coming in because of near shore. So it's like, this was like the melting pot of one of the Roman Empire cities. With it was a lot of immorality. Open brothels, places of prostitution. They weren't in some secluded neighborhood in a dark alley. It was in the open. Open places, Come on in and fill whatever senses you want. Uh, it was, that's how we worship around here. It was a very immoral city. That's where these scattered Christians, persecutors, landed. And they started sharing the gospel. And it became so good, as you read the rest of the story, Barnabas, you guys remember Barnabas, the encourager? We talked about him. Barnabas like, there's something big happened in Antioch. He took off to Tarsus, where Saul was located, Saul, if you remember, found Jesus in the middle of the road, blinded him, gave his, you know, got things right back with his Savior. So now he's like, I'm loving Jesus. But because the first church was like, we don't know if you're really a Christian yet. So they sent him off to Tarsus. He's there for a couple years. Barnabas goes and grabs Saul. Saul, come with me, man. We need to go to Antioch where these Christians are. They weren't called Christians yet. We need to go where the rest of the believers are. Now, Let's wrap this up. Look at verse 21. The power of the Lord was with them. A large number of these Gentiles believed. Turn to the Lord. This happened in Antioch. When the church of Jerusalem heard what happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw the evidence of God's blessing, filled with joy. He's encouraged, and he, he uh, asked the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas, that good man we know about. Now, go down to verse 25. Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. 
When he found them, he brought them back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. They were no longer called disciples, saints, believers, brothers, uh, witnesses, but now they're called Christians, which means Christ ones. Uh, It's believed that it wasn't the Jews that gave them this name because Jews would never call themselves Christ ones because Christ is Messiah. They would never want to see themselves in that light. So they believe that a lot of the pagans, the people in Antioch, were like, you guys are the ones trying to be like Christ that we're hearing about. So you're Christ ones, which was then translated Christians. That's where our history comes from from one of the most immoral cities in this world where persecuted Christians went to tell people about Jesus. That's where we were first known as Christians. And then the first evidence of Christianity, the people in Antioch saw that there was going to be a great famine coming upon the entire Roman world. So these new Christians, you know what new Christians did? Here's the evidence of their faith. They're like, ah, man, everybody reaching their pockets. We need to give. Everybody started pulling out money. How can we bless those in need? Evidence of Christianity right there on the spot. Their new faith, they knew they needed to help others. So they entrusted their gifts to Barnabas and Saul, who took it with the elders of the church uh, in Jerusalem. That's how the chapter ends. The chapter begins with all this persecution and who are we supposed to talk to? Everyone. And sometimes we just need to make sure we're pushed out of our situation or maybe we need something to sort of encourage us to get out and go share that truth and you never know what's going to happen to these people. It's like the people in Antioch are going to give their life to Jesus. Yes, and you see what the first thing they did? They gave. They gave. I had a conversation with a guy the other day. I said, hey, I want to thank you so much for supporting what you do with FCA. And he said, hey, my pleasure. He goes, listen, um, there's a lot of people who support churches and different Christian ministries. I know that I'm supposed to do that because that's what the Bible tells me. I'm reading through the book of Revelation. Jesus talks to the seven churches, and one of the evidence of a church is a church is a giving church. And he goes, he goes, he goes Rex, I know you've probably heard this before, but have you heard that phrase? If you were um, accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you of that accusation? I said, oh, yeah, I've heard that. He goes, he goes Rex, I'd like to be the judge. What do you mean to be the judge? I'd like that person who was accused of being a Christian in front of me because here's the first question I would ask them. May I see your checkbook, your bank account? I want to see if you're giving back to the Lord. I was like, ooh, ooh, well, yeah, yeah. But that's the, his whole point was that's what Christians do. That was the first evidence shown here in this city was they gave back to God. The believers in Antioch had plenty of evidence of faith. It was displayed in their worship, but it was also displayed in their giving. It's an amazing thing, right? Worship team, would you come forward, please? That was Acts chapter 10 and 11. Very crucial because we start moving on from here. We're going to get into the missionary efforts of what happens in this chapter. But we need to know, how did the church first begin? And and what is the church called to do? I began describing the church like peanut butter, right? Good one place, better spread out. But then I decided to change it up. Um, I think the church is more like toothpaste. Okay? I mean, it's great in the tube, right? It's like, oh, yeah, I got a new tube of toothpaste, right? But you know what? The only way you can get that toothpaste out is if you squeeze it. You got to put pressure on that tube to make the toothpaste come out. And sometimes the church, sometimes we need a little pressure put on us, whether it's by the Holy Spirit, whether it's by persecution, whatever it might be, to wake us up and say, church, it's time. When, we, when I say go be the church, consider that a squeeze, okay? Let's go. What has God called us to do? 
we have, and not to make light of this illustration, but we have something that will help cleanse the lives of others and remove the stains of sin. And it's what Jesus Christ did. We've got incredible good news, and we need to take that out into this world. Some of you may be thinking, um, last Sunday, this Sunday's message were sort of similar, right? Similar theme. The gospel's for everybody. We need to go share the gospel. Well, here's the thing. If God's gonna put it in one chapter and then put it in another chapter again, then I'm okay with sharing it one Sunday and sharing another Sunday again. It's a message worth repeating. It's a message we need to hear. We, we came to this church on Sunday to give everything we can in worship to God. We come in here and we put our money in the, in the blessings box. We come in here and we, we give our voices to God and we pray. But here's the thing. As much as we come to worship and we give everything, we have to also leave this place. And when we leave this place, we need to take the good news of Jesus Christ into a world that is dying to hear it. They need peace, don't they? We've got the answer. Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for being an amazing God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for, for this morning. Just uh, well, what took place yesterday with Tyler and Lupe and, and the, the calling that they felt like he got squeezed out of his, out of his toothpaste tube and is like, I'm going to do something I, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with. I'm not even sure how to do it, but I know I'm supposed to do it. And you equipped him with Lupe and you equipped him with the courage to just say, I'm going to be obedient. And as a result of that, Lord, we don't know what kind of lives are going to be changed. That's not up to us. We just need to make sure we're obedient to making that first step and saying, I will go. I will share. I will tell. Heavenly Father, there's a lot of people in this room that maybe have an opportunity at their workplace, maybe at school, maybe on their sports team, where they have other people looking up to them. They're leaders. And maybe not necessary leaders like we think, but they're respected. And so, Lord, I pray that in these positions that we've been given at work, at home, at school, wherever it might be, help us to use that for your glory. Help us to be confident and bold in letting people know that they're loved by you. Give us, Lord, the opportunity. Give us the courage to follow through. And we'll give you the glory, Heavenly Father, for all that is said and done. In thy name we pray, amen.